0: Continue to enter into his presence. And I want you just to cast your burdens onto Jesus. That's not a cue for the song, by the way. because That's not where we're going. But I want you to cast your burdens onto Jesus right now. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I sense in this place that some people, and you're carrying your burdens tonight. You're carrying various things that are are like weights that keep you from soaring in the spirit. And we've just been singing a song, haven't we? We've just been singing, I believe in you. Well, I'm going to be speaking a little bit later on. Well, who is Jesus that we believe in him? Who is he really? But we believe in him. And part of believing in Jesus is to transfer your problems, difficulties, worries, Anxieties, concerns, and give them to Him. Just to give them to Him. Do you tonight, I know you do, but do you tonight trust Him enough to cast that burden aside? Sometimes it's difficult because we think, well, you know, I'm worried about it, or it's heavy, and I don't know if it's going to work out all right. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I don't know if it's going to happen like it should. Um, And you want to hold it. onto it. You want to keep it to yourself. But faith is just letting it go. That doesn't mean we don't pray about things. It doesn't mean we don't press in. But tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to free us to worship Jesus. He doesn't want us, want us to be weighed down by all these heavy things, trying to, you know, they, they sit, used to sing songs of the ascent, the pilgrims and the worshipers as they went to Jerusalem and these songs of ascent as they praised the Lord on the way up to the temple where they were going to praise and worship Him in the presence of that temple and you wouldn't want to sing songs of ascent with a big bag of boulders on your back weighing you down now, you're not gonna sing songs of joy today in your mind your imagination What is it that's troubling you, says the Lord? Child, what is it that is troubling you? I am able and I am willing and I am with you. And we will triumph. And we will come out the other side. I believe in you, Lord. Believe in me," says the Lord. Take that thing, that heavy burden, that worry, and put it at His feet. Put it in. Put it in. Just see yourself. Whatever it is, whatever that situation is, whatever that burden is, put it at His feet. He'll pick it up. And if you trust Him, He'll give you wisdom and lead you through to the place of freedom and victory give it to him right now. and Just feel that heavy burden just go. Just trust him. God is looking for childlike faith. The faith of a child. Child doesn't worry about things, just gives it to his dad, daddy. Little child doesn't worry about food. Little child doesn't worry about clothes. Little child doesn't worry about what's going to happen if they've got a good mom and dad, they're not worried about these things. That's for their father and mother to be concerned about. The father, you said laying this down at Jesus' feet, but the father wants us to trust him. Just trust him. Your father in heaven knows what you need. Your father in heaven knows what you face. The father in heaven knows the pressures. He knows exactly what's going on. he's with you and he's saying leave those things because we'll solve those things leave those things don't be burdened tonight not tonight lay your burdens worries down and just give them into his hand just say Lord you know all things Lord you're in control Lord you are able Lord I trust you I'm going to lay these things down and I'm going to gaze on you instead of looking down to all the things that are heavy I'm going to look up where does my help come it comes from the Lord hallelujah just transfer it right now just just get just let it go just let it go say Lord here it is take it Lord some of you might need to just whisper to him speak to him right where you're Lord sometimes verbalizing things. You know, words are containers. Words are containers and they carry power. And your words to the Father right now can carry those things away from you, those words. Sometimes you just need to say a few things. You don't have to say loudly. It's your business, but why don't you just whisper a few words to him, Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I trust you afresh. Lord, I lay it down. Lord, you're in control. Lord, you're with me. You'll not forsake me. You're faithful, you're deliverer, you're provider, you're healer, you're my security, you're my father, you're my savior, you're my friend, you're my Lord, you're my God, you're my past, you're my present, you're my future, you're my forgiver. There's yet more grace for me, yet more blessing. You never give up on me, you're always there for me, you carry me when I can't carry myself. Yes, Father, we trust you in this place today. We're releasing fresh faith right now to the throne of mercy. We're coming boldly, unhindered, and we're just trusting God tonight, like God's kids. Hallelujah. We're just trusting God. This is a kids' meeting tonight. This is a children's meeting tonight, God's children. This is children's meeting. It's the crash. we're in the crash tonight, and we just want to be held by the Lord, we want to be held by Him, we're just trusting in Him, we're just going to play in His presence through our worship, unhindered and heavy burdens are broken in the name of Jesus, heavy mindsets are broken in the name of Jesus, anxiety demons that plague you with worry and fear in the name of Jesus. We throw them at the feet of Jesus and he steps on them and they disappear. (sighs) And with this in mind, let's continue to worship the Lord and you will feel a freedom and a healing and a moving of the spirit in your life pertaining to these matters of concern. For it is my firm conviction That nobody has to go out tonight, no matter what you're facing, no one has to go out tonight fearful or anxious. It's my firm conviction that as we just simply trust him like a child, you say, I find it difficult, Bruce, trust him like a child. Trust him like a child. And we're going to worship the Lord, and that worship is going to be trusting him like a child. We're going to worship him. We're going to sing these words. We're going to mean them. We're just going to believe that he's who he said he is and that he can do what he said he'll do.
1: Your grace is enough more than I need At your word I will believe I wait for you drawn near again Let your spirit make me new and I will fall No God No fear We come to admire
0: Spirit of worship, we're going to continue to worship the Lord as this is a beautiful offering of worship to his throne. Can you feel the presence of the Lord tonight? Are you feeling a little bit liberated, a little bit freed? just it's, it's very easy, it's an easy yoke, isn't it, tonight? It's like as you lay down the stuff, you pick up an easy yoke, and I, I, I feel an easy yoke in this place tonight, and that means God is ready to break things and heal things and save people, and it's an easy yoke. I just, I just, you know. Sometimes you're in a battle, and sometimes you've got to break through, and you've got to put your faith out there. But there's an easy anointing in this place today. Just before we move into the next song, is there anybody here, and you're undergoing chemotherapy, or you're in between chemotherapy? I'm not doing it right now. Is there anybody here? Is there anyone here? Because we want to pray for you while we worship. I know some people don't always want to let people know. Is there anyone here? Wave at me. Can't see. Usually when I get a word, it's right. I only prophesy in part, but usually when I get a clear word like this. Anyone here? Anybody? I'm not going to delay the meeting, but if you're here, just signal to me. Yeah, is there someone? No. I'm just going to wave. Just wave at me. If you end up, how can you just lift your hand? You're either undergoing chemotherapy or you're in between. There's the some that's going to come. Uh, are, are you here? Are you here? Just wave at me. Don't be. Don't be afraid. Nothing weird's going to happen. We're going to pray for you. Pray that God uses you and heals you and that you come through this together, and God wouldn't highlight this tonight if uh, you didn't want to do something special in your life. Yeah? Anyone? Anyone? Well, we're going to continue to worship, and if that is you, just leave your seat. Come down here to the corner, and while we're worshiping, we'll pray for you. ministry team at the front please ready to minister I believe God wants to bring um, um, yeah, sorry let's keep taking it over here I believe we're just going to wait on the Lord God's doing things where we are I just sense from the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring measures of healing to particular to particularly women's problems okay uh, whatever that might be, you know what that might be. And it could be a range of many things, couldn't it? And so that's why I've asked the ministry team, our trained ministry team, the women to come forward. And if you if you have anything that's particularly female that you want prayer for, then during this next time you can come forward and be, people can pray for you. You can share what it is or just, just say, oh, it's just female problems. It's totally up to you. And we are going to believe together because as we worship God, God is going to bring healing into those areas of your body, amen? I really feel this strongly, so if there's something you want prayer for, ladies, during this period, then, uh, then come forward, and we're going to pray for you. I believe things are going to change, so as we continue to just wait, it's so wonderful to have time in the presence of the Lord, just time, we've got time got time and we're giving him time. So as we continue, if you want prayer ladies, come out during this time, come down from the balcony. It's worth it. It could be just the breakthrough that you've been waiting. Right, pour out your worship. Pour it like the, the woman poured out that perfume over his feet. Sing a new song. Pour it out, the perfume of your worship. Pour it out upon the Master. Every drop.
1: Worthy
0: Just let that anointing begin to rest on you afresh right where you are. Just let that deliverance hit you. Let that mighty deliverance power hit you from those situations that you're in. Psalms spiritual hymns go ahead He is good, he is good, and his love endures forever, and his mercy is new every morning. Oh, let's sing that song, he is good, he is good, and his love endures. Let's begin to lift this a bit higher, a bit stronger.
1: Good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love
0: endures. If you suffer from neck problems, come and we'll pray for you. met gentlemen, you can come forward now as well. If you suffer from neck problems as we're singing this song, any type of neck problems, I feel God wants to give grace to those areas.
1: You're good, for you are good, you are good. on that ancient day songs of enduring life and your love endures you You are are good good. you are good good. and your love Love endures you are good. good
0: praise the Lord. Amen, please take your seats. It's good to wait on the Lord, isn't it? He likes it. He likes it. This new move is about him. <laughs> it's about giving to him, is about pouring it out to him. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. You see, the thing about waiting on the Lord is it changes you. One of the the things that changes you most is giving to the Lord. Some people say, oh, you know, I I want the Word. Well, you'll get the Word. Or somebody says, oh, I want more ministry to me. Well, what about ministering to the Lord? That is our prime reason that we exist. the, The reason that you exist is to glorify God, number one, and secondly, enjoy Him forever. Well, we like the enjoying bit, but how about the glorifying bit? Because through the glorifying comes the enjoying and comes the healing. If you want to change, put Jesus in the center of your life. And think more about what you can do for him than what he can do for you. And as you're thinking about what you can do for him, he'll be doing it for you. Mark 8:27. Now, Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word, openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, of Him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when He comes in glory, in the glory of His Father with, his holy, with the holy angels. Powerful passage this. And uh, a very well-known passage, but I hope to bring something new by the Spirit of God from this to you today. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This, this was the question. That Jesus asked and it wasn't just that he wondered what people thought of him. It was more than that. He knew already what people thought of him. He knew what was in a man. He knew how people were thinking. But what he was doing here was he was bringing the disciples on a journey because he was going to ask them to do something. And what he was going to ask them to do could only happen if they really understood who he was. If they didn't know who he was, they couldn't do what he was going to ask them to do. You say, well, what was he going to ask them to do? Verse 34, uh, he's going to say, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You see, if you don't know or if you're not learning and growing in your knowledge of Jesus, you will never desire to come after him as he really is. You will never want to deny yourself, you'll never want to take up your cross, and you won't follow him. The reason that we have a lot of believers, in general, in, in, in general, we have a lot of believers but not many disciples, is because the believers haven't yet found out who Jesus really is. One of the biggest dangers in my life and your life is we assume we've got a handle on the master. We assume we know who he is. We assume we know how he acts, we assume we know what he'd do, and sometimes it's funny how we always assume that he would do what we would do. But Jesus is full of surprises. And he had been with his disciples a while, I mean this is Mark chapter 8, not Mark chapter 1, they'd been with him for a while. And you'd have think that he would have assumed that they know who he is with all the miracles he'd done. He'd just come from doing an incredible blind man, spit on his eyes and put hands on him. And, and, he, and he healed him. And uh, all these signs and the loaves and the miracles and the deliverance. And yet he asked them a question. And as I said, the reason he asked them was not out of interest because he knew what they thought. But in order for them to do what he was going to ask them to do, they had to understand who he was. And every time we come to this passage, we shouldn't assume that we, are, we know the answer. We shouldn't assume. We know what the Word says. It says, oh, you are the Christ. Yeah, but what type of Christ? What type of Christ is he? Peter didn't understand. Peter got the revelation, you are the Christ, but he got the wrong revelation of, of what type of Christ he was. And so he started by saying, well, what do people say I am? He began with the general crowds. He began with... The culture around them began with what people were saying. And uh, they said, well, people have many different ideas of who you are. They're not really sure. Some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah and others one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but who do you say I am? You know, who do you say Jesus is tonight? Right? And I don't just mean the Christ. We know that if we're saved here tonight. But I mean, who is he? Who is he to you tonight and what is he saying to your life? Who is he? And what we can do if we're not careful is everybody else is saying who he is and we just join the rest of them. Someone says he's good, we say he's good. Someone says he's Lord, we say he's Lord. Someone puts up on Facebook what he's done for them and we say, yeah, it's great, that's what he's done for me. And, and what we can tend to do is, is go with the crowd, even if it's Christian. And we can say, well, you know, you're this Lord, and you're that Lord, and people say you're this, and someone gives their testimony about you. And 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 these are what everybody's saying, and, and I say it too. But Jesus isn't saying to you, what does your pastor say? Who does your pastor say I am? He's not saying to you even tonight, who does your cell leader say I am? He's not telling you, saying to you, who do your... Christian friends say I am. He's saying, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And you'll say, well, what are you on about? I'm talking about who is he really in your life and what can he really do in your life? I'm not talking about mere confessionalism where we say all the right things. You can say all the right things about the Lord and yet not know him in those things. You you can call him faithful and yet doubt his faithfulness. You can call him true and yet act as if he's false. You can call him deliverer and stay in your bondage. You can call him all the names that he is in the word and you can call him all those things. And yet Jesus goes, but no, no, no. Who do you really say I am? Oh, your healer, your master, your Lord. No, no, no. Who do you say I am in your life? your actions, and your heart. And so when he says, who do you say I am? You see, we all go, oh, isn't it wonderful? Because Peter got a revelation. Yes, but he didn't understand the revelation. We know in Matthew's version that uh, Jesus uh, turned to Peter and said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You want to know the Son, you've got to ask the Father. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal who Jesus is to you. Oh, I know who Jesus is. No. Don't assume that you do. You know what they say about assume. Don't assume that you do. Don't don't assume. Don't get don't get over familiar with what you've with the revelation you've already had. Don't think because Christians just plateau in their Christian life for years because they think they understand who the Lord is. They're not expecting any surprises, and guess what? They don't get any. They're not expecting new insights that might shake shake them in their boots. Some Christians, they actually model Jesus in their own image. They like the nice bits, but they don't talk much about revelation. They like the bit, you are the Christ. They like the bit... Um, about him healing the blind man. They like that. Oh, that's nice. But they don't like the bit about whoever is ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed when I come into glory of my Father. In other words, if you're ashamed of Jesus, he will be ashamed of you. Yeah, but I'm a a child of God. If you're ashamed of Jesus and a child of God, when he comes with his angels, you you think he's going to come around and go, oh, give me a hug. He's going to say, get out of my face. I'll come back to you later. Oh, he would never do that. Hmm. Verse 38. We we need some good old-fashioned fear of the Lord. Once we got that understanding that we're saved forever by the foundation that is Christ. Once we understand that salvation is a total free gift, there's nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you do to keep it, you just believe it, you just receive it. Once, you, once you've got that in your heart, that you're saved forever by faith, now you're in a position to explore the master. Explore the exciting sides, the frightening sides. I don't know about you, but I, I want a Lord that's a little bit frightening. Hello? This current charismatic generation, they've taken all the bite out of Jesus. It's just one big old softy, And in the end, everybody's going to get to heaven. Oh, please, give me a break. I don't read. I don't read that in the Word of God. And Peter had got the revelation, but he didn't understand or apply the revelation. So you can have the revelation that he's the Christ. He got it. He was right. God revealed it to him. But he didn't know what Christ he was or what he's going to do. You see, as soon as Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. Then what did he do? He said, right, I don't need to tell anyone. And then what did he do? He explained what type of Christ he was. And the type of Christ he's explaining that he is, Peter doesn't like. He says, and he began to teach them. That the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And can you imagine that? This picture. There's Jesus. Who do you say I am, Peter? You're the Christ, Peter. That's a revelation. But let me tell you, the type of Christ. That I am, I am the Christ of the cross. I am the suffering servant. I am the crucified one. I am going to be the lamb that is slain for the sins of the world. I am going to be persecuted and suffering. And then on the cross, and then Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Pete, come here. What are you doing, Peter? Come here. Pulls him away. Because Jesus is saying this openly. Peter pulls him away. No, 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 no. No, that's not who you are. You're the Christ, but you're a different type of Christ. You're the Christ that doesn't suffer. You're the Christ that says that suffering has no purpose at all in any way, shape, or form. It's of the devil. You're not the Christ that's going to be persecuted, you're going to be the Christ that is popular. You're not going to be persecuted by the scribes and the Pharisees. You're going to be loved by them. You're going to have massive conventions, Jesus. This is going so well. You are going to have your own TV program. You're going to be great. Don't talk about this suffering. People are going to love you. They love you, Jesus. They think you're awesome. These miracles, the, the anointing that's on your life. You, you know, let's not talk about negative suffering and dying. It's like you've got some sort of death wish, Jesus, and that's not positive confession. you speak speaking negative confession out your mouth. If you keep talking about dying, you will. And then it says, you can see this clearly, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around, so Peter's rebuking him, and he looks around and he sees that his disciples are there what's going on Peter's rebuking him and saying these words and Jesus is thinking is anybody else here this and he looks and he sees his disciples are watching listening to this false understanding of who he is it wasn't Peter didn't just it wasn't Jesus and Peter in a quiet room and then Jesus rebuked Peter he realized that this fault this that although Peter look Peter knew that Jesus was the Christ didn't he Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So Peter was like, you know, he was like born again, wasn't he? You know, we can use that phrase. He was saved. He knew he was the Christ. He was going to heaven. He knew it. He had a revelation from the Father. Some of you are going to go out tonight, I pray, with a revelation that he's the Christ. And go out saved. But also, I want you to go out and I want you to learn who he is. I don't want you listening to Peter's version of who Jesus is. And the point is, in that scripture, it clearly says that Jesus, Jesus was being rebuked. And then he turned around and saw that there was an audience. And that the disciples were looking at Peter's interpretation of what sort of Christ he was going to be. And he realized he'd better smash this thing quickly. And so, he rebukes Peter. He says, I'm going to kill this thing once and for all. Get behind me, Satan. It doesn't get any more hardcore than that, does it? I mean, get, I mean, not, shut up, Peter. You don't know what you're talking about. But Satan, he looked right through Peter and saw Satan. And saw that the, the, the way that Jesus was describing himself, Satan was opposed to it and was using Peter. Wow, that's powerful. Could it be possible that sometimes we are too overfamiliar with the Word of God that we listen to the Peters, whoever they might be, and I'm not accusing anyone of being a Peter, with a crowd listening to Peter's version of Jesus? With a with crowd listening to the Peter version of Jesus, where there's no suffering, no death, no... You know, or if it is, it's not central to the message. The cross is not central. It's like he died, and then he was triumphant. You know, get through the cross as quickly as you can and get out of the way and talk about resurrection all the time. Could it be that the pop that that, that Peter's version of Jesus is spreading wildfire in the church today? Where are there present-day Peters at every level of the church? Present-day Peters who are. Given their version of who Jesus is, and the crowd's sitting there listening. They know he's the Christ. The question is, what sort of Christ is he? I challenge you tonight, as I challenge myself tonight, who do we say he is? What sort of Christ is he? Have we only got half the story? Are we reading the Word, or are we letting the Word read us? Are we reading into the New Testament the Jesus that, we're pretty, that we pretty like and that we've, we've heard? Of. Are we looking in and, and are we putting Jesus in there, the Jesus of our, of our own making, the Jesus of our own culture, the Jesus of 2012, if he was around today, which he is? What do I mean by that? I mean, we're very good in church history at making fun of far, former generations for what they believed. But this generation models Jesus in their image as much as any generation that has passed. We are susceptible to creating Jesus in our 2012 thinking as much as somebody in, 10th in, 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 in you know, 1012, 1512, 1812. And yet we look back at those past saints, and do you know what? They may have got some things wrong, but they had some things right that we've got wrong again. That they may have got some things wrong that we can see far clearly. But some of the things that they saw in the 1800s about the Master, we don't see anymore. We bring our own personal bias. We bring our cultural bias. We bring our educational bias. We bring the bias that's in the West today. There There are pastors and priests, my friend and they just listen all they all they're doing is listening to what what the current media science or philosophy says agreeing with it it's called liberal christianity you just find out what all the non christians are saying about morality Find out what the non-Christians are saying, especially the educated ones and the media ones and the politicians. What are they saying about morality? What are they saying about sexuality? What are they saying about what God should be like and shouldn't be like? What the church should be like and shouldn't be like? What are they saying? And we'll take that and we'll become their priests. And we will cast Jesus in the image of of secular society. But I tell you what, science, I I heard one minister say this. He said, well, I believe in the Bible, but where the Bible disagrees with science and what's obvious to myself, common sense, where the Bible, that's what he said, where the Bible disagrees with science and obvious common sense, I'll take science and obvious common sense. I thought, you fool. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Because your common sense might be totally different in a hundred years. Are we so arrogant that we think that when we mock former generations as being somehow, you know, oh, how could they think those things, that somehow we won't be mocked? And culture and opinions change all the time, don't they? I mean, you can look at some culture and opinions that we had in the West ten years ago. They've totally changed within ten years. And science is constantly changing, constantly changing. What, what we laugh. Well, I don't, but people laugh at what they used to think scientifically 300 years ago, 200 years ago, 100 years ago. Well, in 200 years, they might be laughing about what we think about science. We, we've seen enough about science to know that what we take as totally scientific truth could in 10 years be totally turned on its head. Isn't that true? And if someone says no, you say, well, then you're no student of history. Now, thank God for knowledge and scientific knowledge, but let me tell you something. It it, it isn't the be all and end all. It is not the be all and end all. Science isn't the most known facts that there is. I'll speak from someone who whose father is, was a scientist at university all his life. And I was brought up amongst scientists. I'm not a scientist, but I was brought up amongst them, okay? They're as human and as frail as everybody else. This idea that you can step out of humanity and make statements that exist forever. I know scientists, uh, I know scientists that would write things about that specific science and then spend the whole time defending their position for defending their position. They're human beings like everybody else. What I'm trying to say today is that I want us to be uneasy about what we take for granted about the Lord. I I want us to refresh, press the refresh button again and again and come to him again in the word and everything we do as if it's the first time we're meeting him. To, To let our image of Jesus be challenged by God's word. To read things about the Lord that makes us uncomfortable. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's people here, I know, not by name, but I know that when I read, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed. That that is not part of your current understanding and walk with the Lord. No offense, but you don't think about, about him. He's too nice to be ashamed when someone turns up. He's too nice to turn his back. He wouldn't do that. He would understand why they they were going through a difficult time. There were pressures, and they were ashamed. And Jesus understands, and there's a verse for you to chew on. You hear what I'm saying? And so Jesus, when he describes, when he says, who do you say I am? He then, they say, you're the Christ. He goes, okay, I need to tell you what type of Christ I am. And Peter thought he was one Christ, But Jesus said, this is who I am. And now, if you want to know who Jesus really, 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 really is, if you want a shortcut to who Jesus really, really is, it's the cross. It's what happened on the cross. What happened on the cross is the greatest open window to who God is that you you could ever have. That's the beautiful thing about the cross and Christ crucified. There's so much in the Word of God we can learn and grow and teach and everything. But the shortcut is just go and stand at the cross. Just see what was going on the cross. Jesus giving up his life. But sin being so real that the Father has to punish his son. And punish him so severely because that's what that sin deserved. He was the spotless lamb of God. He took the sins of the world, and God said, it doesn't matter, son, you don't have to die. God said, I hate sin so much, it's worthy of punishment, that this is how the Father feels about sin. Look at the cross. And what the Father did to the Son. Not just what the Son offered to the Father, but that the Father was prepared to smite the Son. Don't tell me that sin doesn't matter. You know, tell me what God thinks about unatoned sin. Don't tell me someone that rejects the smited Christ for his sin or her sin ends up going to heaven. I tell you what, if if you don't accept that Jesus died on the cross for you, then the suffering poured out on him will be poured out on you forever and ever in hell. You say, that's a bit rough. Jesus didn't die for a nice idea. He died so that you wouldn't face what he punished. That instead of punishment, you could have freedom and liberty. And that you could have the relationship with his father that he had. This isn't, I'm not speaking to you now here today, I'm speaking into the spirit. This is not a game. This crucified Messiah thing. It's not an option. There is no other option. God sent his own son and smote him on the cross. The wrath of his father against all sin and rebellion was revealed by his smiting of his willing son on Calvary. It was revealed. The horror of sin was revealed. And the anger and wrath of God against sin was revealed by the way that the father smote the son on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is powerful stuff. No wonder Paul said, you know what? I'm coming to you fleshly old Corinthians, you bunch of Pentecostal charismatics. I'm I'm not going to even, I'll I'll get to spiritual gifts. That's all you want to talk about, spiritual gifts. I'm just going to know Christ and Christ crucified, and I'm going to offend some of you, Paul was saying. I'm going to offend some of you because I'm going to talk about what Jesus said he was. When he said, he said, you are the Christ. And then he said, he began to teach them, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And then when he rebuked Peter in verse 33, he said, get behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He was thinking like a man. He, he had that revelation, but he wasn't working that revelation with, with, the, with the other revealed Word of God. He was picking and choosing his revelation. He was taking his revelation, and then he was putting his spin on it. Spinning it. Oh yeah, the Father revealed me that he is the Christ. Uh, let me tell you what sort of Christ I want him to be. Now, Jesus explained these things. That's why I'm saying, get back to the cross, That's where the power is, friends, and also that's where the humbling is. That's where the fear of the Lord is, and that's where the love of God is. That's where pardon for sin is, but that's also where the wrath of God is revealed against sin. It's all there. It is an open window to the very nature of God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. Now, he's saying this because... He wants them. He's going to ask them to do something. In verse 34, he said, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and gospels will save it. Now, what sort of Christ are you prepared to trust to follow him? I mean, you know, if somebody came up to you, let's not think about the Lord for a while, and said, Okay, I would like you to follow me. Well, what do you want me to do? I want you to deny yourself. Well, what do you mean? Well, I've started a new religion. I'm in charge. You're going to follow me. You're going to be my disciple, and your discipleship will be known by your denial. Denial? Well, I don't want to deny. I don't want to deny. I, I, I want to experience. I want to. I want to have things. I want to do things. Well, what else do I have to do? Oh, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Take up my cross. What's in it for me? Because so far, your new religion doesn't have much in it for me. Firstly, it's one of denial. That's not going to give me much in life, is it? denial? And secondly, I've got to take up the execution of the cross. Sounds like a cult to me. Sounds like one of those miserable cults. You deny yourself all the time. You take up your cross and I follow you. And then he says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What profit will it be if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for as ever is ashamed of me and my words? You see, who was ashamed of him and his words right there? Who, who had been ashamed of his words? Peter. Peter, at that moment, had just been ashamed of his words. He took him and shut up, Jesus, out of here what you should say these things. Now what, what, where I want to come now to finish is because I think I, I think what I wanted to do today was get us to a place where, we, where we're willing to look at Jesus afresh and afresh and afresh and afresh and afresh. if we're willing to look at Jesus afresh and conscious or, or saying, Lord I know I come with you my prejudices, prejudices we're all prejudiced. Do you know what I'm saying? We're all going to bring our prejudices and our thinking to the Lord. I'm going to bring mine. I'm going to bring yours. But at least if we know that, we're in a good position. We can say, Lord, you know, show me who you really are. Lord, reveal I, 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 reveal to me. And the reason is, is he wants us to follow him. But you're only going to follow someone who's asking for commitment if you realize how committed he was to you. And that he's worthy of following. When we think of what he did for us, came from his throne in glory as a little baby in a manger. Someones are going to start on that in a month, aren't they? It's Christmas already. Came in a little manger, Became as a human being. You know the story. Died on the cross for us. When we begin to meditate at the power of the cross and what he did for us, it's going to change us. When we realize that we can trust somebody like this, that when he says, give me your life, if we give it to him, he's trustworthy of keeping it. Do you know what I'm saying? To turn over our lives to the Lord, to turn, um, to turn it over, to turn over our lives if it means denial, to turn over our lives if it means to carry the cross, to turn over our lives to say, all right, It's a journey of trusting you. I mean, uh, one of the greatest pictures of this trusting the Lord is Abraham. Abraham wasn't asked to turn over his life to the Lord. He was asked to turn over something even more precious than his own life. He was an old bloke anyway. If if God had said, Abraham, go up on that mountain and sacrifice yourself, Abraham, I'm ready to go anyway. (laughs) I've had a good innings. And there's Isaac. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted out of life, my Isaac. So God asked Abraham to turn over to him something even greater than his life, the life of his son. And the son was willing for his life to be turned over. Why? Because Abraham had reached that place that we're on a journey to tonight together of turning his life over to the Lord. I mean, literally turning it over. what, What trust? You know, the media and... Liberal theologians look at the story of Abraham willing to sacrifice his son. They think it is one of the clearest indications that the Bible's not true and that the God of a Bible is some horrific, demonic-type figure. Yet for me, what Abraham and Isaac did is one of the most beautiful pictures of trust because Abraham knew that God had said in Isaac, will your seed be, And, and Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham believed that even if he sacrificed his son, God would raise him from the dead. You see, this is it. To turn our lives over, to carry our cross knowing that there's a resurrection. Oh, hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's the worship team to come on. We're going to finish in a few minutes with a praise song. But while we bow our heads, I preached the gospel to us. And a challenge for us to come to Jesus afresh. But it could be that tonight it's the first time that you've ever had a revelation. My goodness, he, me, he is the Christ. It might be the first time. You might, he is the Christ. And you've heard me preach the cross. And all you have to do to receive salvation is to believe. All you have to do, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. Forgiveness of sins is a gift. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. You say, how do I receive this gift? I want my sins forgiven. I want to go to heaven, not hell. I want to know Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. How do I get this gift? You just say, thank you. You say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Lord, I believe you're raised from the dead. Thank you. And if you've said those words, you are saved just for today but you've turned from darkness to light from condemnation to adoption and you are saved forever with every head bowed is there anyone tonight you want to say I I, I want that tonight you've never said this in a church you've never never made a public commitment I'm going to ask you that if you want salvation tonight just lift your hand right now if you lift your hand, you're saying, "I've said that prayer tonight. I receive your salvation." Just lift your hand right where you are. You say, "Don't have to do it publicly." Yes, you have to confess publicly. And if you're serious, He died on the cross for you, naked and ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't don't start your Christian walk being ashamed. Lift your hand, and I'll pray for you right where you are. Is there anybody upstairs? Lift your hand. Downstairs, yes, sir. Downstairs, lift your hand. We'll ask one more time, and then we're moving on. You ever want him or you don't? Oh, I don't know. I don't. You ever want him or you don't? Last time of asking. Anybody else? Lift your hand and know that you're saved by faith in Christ. And Father, we ourselves take this message yes, I see your hand as well we ourselves take this message as a refreshing reset, refresh button we look forward Lord to getting to know you better, deeper we rid ourselves as far as we're able of our preconceived ideas and we Come to you, the cross, the word of God, afresh. Looking forward to meeting you as you really are, not just as we'd like you to be. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's close with a song of praise.